Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, my name is Tina Wilson. I am a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. And alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. I am passionate about making Christ and his church famous, and I'm also passionate about reading the whole word of God, Genesis to Revelation. And I want to welcome you to Step Into Scripture. In this podcast, my friend Stacy and I are encouraging viewers and listeners to commit yourself to this spiritual discipline of reading the whole Word of God beginning to end. And in season one, we're doing this by dispelling objections that maybe you have or maybe you've heard that make you go, I don't really need to do that because we totally believe that you do. Mm -hmm. And we believe that any objection to it just doesn't hold up because Scripture says that it doesn't. So, so far this season, we have taken on these objections and dispelled them using Scripture. It's an impossible feat to read and understand the whole Bible. It's something I don't have time to do. It's not my preference. I'd rather do a topical study than read the whole Bible. It seems monotonous or even irrelevant. It was written by man. It has contradictions in it. I've already read it. Why do I need to do it again? Or I need to know the most important stuff first before I actually commit to reading the whole thing. Every one of these objections has been dispelled in this podcast using scripture. So I hope if you have thought any of those, you'll go back and listen to those episodes. And this is the last objection that we're going to dispel in season one. So Stacy, why don't you go ahead and introduce it for us? Man, I can't believe we've made it to the final objection. We're almost done with this first series of going through this. My name is Stacy Vines. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure and joy to walk through scripture, to step through scripture with all of you and dismantle these objections using scripture. Um, the list that Tina has laid out for us, it has been a joy unpacking all of this with you guys. This week, we are going to dismantle the objection, why do I need to read the Old Testament when I live under the New Covenant? So this presents itself. We go through a different, a couple of versions of this objection each week in its introduction. And so maybe you have said, well, I don't need to read the Old Testament. I don't live under the law. I live under grace. Or the Old Testament was for way back then, and this is the 21st century. I don't need to read that. It doesn't apply to me. So today we are going to go through this um, and, and go through how Old Testament truths hold up new covenant promises. They are absolutely paired together for eternity and for our great pleasure. And so Tina is going to kick us off and build this up for us. Yes. So when I first hear this objection, and this is what I've definitely heard, even in our In our Bible studies that we do here as a church, leading people through the whole Bible, Um, in one of our most recent ones, a woman came to me, and she didn't even attend church with us. She just came to Bible study with us, and she said, "Some, some people from my church are asking me, why are you going to that Bible study? There's no reason you need to be reading the Old Testament. That's mm-hmm. not binding for us today. And I went, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here right? because you definitely need to be reading the whole thing. And I told her this, and this is often my first response when I hear that objection. You think you don't need to read the Old Testament? I've got one word for you. Hebrews. Hebrews. Right. You get to the book of Hebrews, <laughs> and even if you haven't read the Old Testament, you're going to have no idea the depth of what's being talked about there. Yeah. Because it's a book of fulfillments. It's a book of revelations. It's a book of uh, 
shadows that are now being made reality. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew writer unpacks how that's happening. Speaking of Revelation, I was going to piggyback that as well. Another another great book to refer to in the New Testament as a reason you need to read the Old Testament is the book of Revelation. I think a big error that people make is when they want to start studying the Bible, they want to jump to the book of Revelation. Right. Because I want to know how it ends. Yeah. And, and because it's weird. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff in there. But it's only weird because we didn't read the Old Testament. There's actually no new symbol right. introduced in the book of Revelation. When people ask me, you know, what do you think about the book of Revelation? I say, I think you should read it before you read anything in the New Testament. I think you should read the Old Testament in its entirety and then read the book of Revelation. Sure. And then you can maybe have a better grip on what's actually being said by the writer. Yeah, absolutely, because it it's not new. It's not weird. Right. It's only weird if you didn't read it in its first introduction in the Old Testament, right. the books of Daniel and Revelation, so much parallel going on there, and it is consistent with all the rest of Scripture. Revelation does not just um, come out of context and all of a sudden have direct application to 21st century Western culture, although there is application for us. Right. It's about the same story that the rest of the Bible is telling. And just like we've unpacked in objections on this podcast leading up to this, God gives no riddle that he doesn't explain or fulfill. That's right. And so the, the, out, the, the great difference in Revelation compared to the rest of the book should be the clue that it's not as straightforward as we want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. So we could honestly build we, a whole podcast season. We should. Just around the book of Hebrews or around the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of just today's episode, just answering this objection in a short form, 30 minute podcast. Right. Why do I need to read the Old Testament when I live under the new covenant? We're going to just turn over to the book of First Peter. Right. So Peter was an apostle to the Jews, and he wrote this epistle to Jewish Christians who had been scattered from their homeland of Israel throughout the Roman provinces of Asia Minor. And this is after centuries of their being subject to foreign nations after they were initially conquered by Babylon. We talked about that a little bit in our last podcast. So because of Peter's audience who he's addressing this book to, we see lots of references to Old Testament reading in this, in this letter that he's writing, he recalls so many Old Testament pictures because he is writing to the nation of Israel, although they're in exile, although they're scattered throughout the provinces of Rome. So this is a really great place to turn when we want to reflect on the Old Testament scriptures and then pair them with new covenant fulfillments. And so it's a great place for us to go to answer that very objection. Why do I need to read the Old Testament when I'm living under the new covenant? You're exactly right. And Peter, though he is speaking directly to the Jews, we look at his letters as New Testament believers and say, this is the structure for how I should walk with God. Yes. But if we neglect to know exactly who he's talking to and what it would have meant to them, it can fall flat on us. And yes. so one of the first ways we're going to look at the necessity of the Old Testament, the, the concealment of Jesus in the Old Testament, revealing himself in the New, is, is the idea of being God's holy 
people. In the Old Testament, there's plenty of events that we have talked about already on this podcast about this uh, Old Testament truth of being God's holy people and something we can recall from the book of Exodus in chapter 24 that we've talked about before a number of times is when God inaugurates his relationship with the people of Israel and they accept this covenant uh, relationship with God, Yeah, right? God tells Moses, here's the law. He relays it to the people. They cry out, we agree. We will do all yes. that God has commanded. And so Moses writes down the, the law of God. He presents it to the people. He sprinkles blood on the furnishings and on the people. And they say, once again, we will do all that God has commanded us to do. The people promised to do what God had commanded. And so Moses, again, like we said, he sprinkled blood on the sacrifices that were offered to God. And in this way, he consecrated them. He set them apart as holy, right? This is now God's holy nation, his holy people. And God has never changed that desire. Though he inaugurated that sacrificial system in order to be close with the children of Israel, he's never changed his desire for holiness in his people. Again, we look at 1 Peter and we say, okay, here's how I'm going to live in fellowship with God. But the call for holiness, the desire for holiness, still has to be the same cry in us as New Testament believers, as the Israelites, though they failed, right? Though they repeatedly broke their end of the covenant Mm -hmm. and God kept his end of of the covenant, we still have the same obligation to respond in the same way with holiness and a heart that says, we will do all that God has commanded. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, we see here this same call to holiness. And remember, this is Peter recalling Old Testament realities for New Testament believers, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So again, Peter is recalling this Old Testament reality for New Testament believers, and the call is to be holy because I am holy. He's giving a new covenant teaching by quoting the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus of all the books, right? Yeah. The book of the law, the one that we re- we get to in our reading plan and we go, oh, this definitely doesn't apply to me. Yeah, if you're I don't thinking, live under the law. I don't, need to, I don't need to read the law. This is the one you're going to use that objection on to check out of reading. Yeah, absolutely. But Peter quotes from the book of Leviticus and reminds us that our response has to be a desire for holiness yeah. in order to be in fellowship with God. So um, how are we supposed to understand the weight of that if we neglect all of God's teachings and his response? I think something that we'll, we will lose in this If we're only reading the New Testament to see what applies to me, we create for ourselves a checklist towards salvation, a checklist towards uh, pleasing God. And we forget that when we go back and we read these things that New Testament teachers are teaching us from the Old Testament, we also get to pick up God's character and his nature and how he responds to disobedience, how he responds and blesses to obedience and a desire for holiness 
that will be lost on us if we see ourselves as New Testament believers who have nothing to do with the Old Testament Right. Law. Looking at the law is a great way to determine God's character and nature or to better understand that because a law or a rule reflects our values. Yeah. We make rules about things because we value them. Think about the rules of your household. Mm-hmm. They reflect what you value. Like if you have rules about your children doing chores and keeping the house clean, it's because you value a clean and orderly environment. Right. And God's rules really point us toward two main values. Sure. Us and other people. Right. His relationship with us and our relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Love for God and love for others is the summation of the law, and it teaches us that is the character of God. Mm-hmm. And in a world that wants to malign the character of God by ripping scriptures from context, his very law points us toward his character. Yeah, absolutely. So not only had Israel, this scattered people who was receiving this writing of First Peter, had So not only had Israel, this scattered people who's receiving this book that Peter has written, 1 Peter, not only had they made a promise to God under the Mosaic Covenant that they were going to be holy, and then that call is still the same for us as New Covenant believers, that we are supposed to be holy because God is holy. We are this fulfillment of this Old Covenant nation. That's not the only similarity to us. Also, that nation under the Mosaic Covenant had been promised an inheritance. They were going to receive the promised land of Canaan, and they did. God always kept his covenant, and he kept that end of it also, and yet they lost it. Mm -hmm. Because of their disobedience to him, they were conquered, and they were exiled, and they were dispersed. Peter, when he's writing this letter from Rome, even refers to Rome, the place of his captivity, as Babylon in 1 Peter 5.13. Why? Because Mm -hmm. this is the place of Israel's exile at the time that Peter was writing, and Babylon was the initial place of Israel's exile when they were first conquered under King Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about a a little bit of that last week also. So that that alone is a reference that we will not understand from 1 Peter. Why does he call Rome Babylon if we haven't read the Old Testament and known the story of Israel's history of both inheritance and exile? And we'll miss the awareness of of, we'll miss the desire, the need to be aware of our own exile. Yes. As well. If we let that fall flat, that that transposes Peter saw himself identifying with what God was doing in the Old Testament in the ba- in the Babylonian exile yes. of, of their life underneath the Roman Empire while he was out building the church. Right, right. And he, he recognized that transcendent truth that now under this new covenant, we no longer are defined That's right. by the nation that rules over us, That's by right. our heritage, by our race by a geopolitical power, all of that now has become subject to a superior kingdom, and it's Christ's eternal kingdom, which is ultimately consummated and fulfilled in our heavenly home. Right. 1 Peter 1, 4 talks about an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. And in confidence about this, Peter even quoted words of comfort from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. If you refer to Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8, these are words that God gave to the people of Judah after they were carried away into Babylonian exile. And that same message of comfort is true for us today as it's spoken by Peter in 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. He says, For 
All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Mm -hmm. And this is the word that was preached to you. So great depth here from Old Testament to New. There was a holy people in the Old Testament that is fulfilled in us, the holy people of the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. There was an inheritance that was promised and received in the Old Testament by a people who were in exile. And there is an inheritance that is promised and received by us today, New Covenant Christians, a people who are living in exile in this world and longing for an eternal and superior kingdom in heaven. Yes, and that brings us into this final leg of what we're going to unpack in, in just molding our minds to understand the Old Testament and its importance and its relevance to what we are walking yes. today. And that is, we've talked about being God's holy people. We've talked about God's eternal inheritance. And the last piece of this is God's victorious kingdom. Yeah. On every page from old to new, we are pointed towards a victorious kingdom. This is another Old Testament account that we've mentioned a handful of times on the podcast, and it comes from the book of Daniel. And it's where Daniel interpreted the dream of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar and where it depicted the Messianic kingdom coming as a rock down from a mountain, like we talked about last week, this tender shoot planted on a high and holy mountain called Zion. This rock is coming from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the statue, which represented the succession of kings, the reigning worldly empires, and it desecrated the statue. But the rock, it says, became a huge mountain and it filled the whole earth. And now we've been uh, sitting in the the book of 1 Peter, and there uh, Peter presents Christ as a cornerstone. Yes. And this kingdom that he has built It does fill the whole earth. It's being built up by me and by you as living stones who come together to form his spiritual house, which is the church, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone of the building. And so I want to read this uh, to you because it's so powerful. Now, remember, Peter is the, the, the rock on which Jesus said, I will build my church that the gates of hell will not stand against. He's the first one to preach the gospel message on the day of Pentecost. He is inaugurating the church that we say is the New Testament church, right? Right. When we say in this objection, I live under the New Testament, I don't need to read the Old Testament, we're reading the guy who started it. Right, Got, right. The one, the the one that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to this kingdom we're talking about. And here, Peter, in chapter two of his first epistle, he quotes from a psalmist from Psalm one eighteen verse twenty two. He quotes a prophet, the prophet Isaiah chapter eight verse fourteen, and then he he quotes his very own teaching at the birth of the church in Acts chapter four verse eleven, just to prove. Um, the, the, the reality of Christ being the cornerstone to this eternal kingdom, which is ultimately our inheritance and salvation. So um, we will start. I'm going to pick up beginning in uh, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, and here he quotes, Behold, 
I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So honor, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So Peter the, the, the apostle of Jesus Christ is reminding all of us that we are being built up as the temple of God, the holy dwelling place of God, and all of the beautiful things that we've unpacked on this podcast, the priesthood, God's holy people, the sacrificial system, the atonement, the fellowship that God wants, the overall redemptive desire of God We are now the structure of it. We are the dwelling place. We are the tools in which it is fulfilled and walked out and carried out on behalf of Jesus every day. And that's me and you and everyone listening and watching. And Peter makes that point so that we're all super clear. He quotes from the Psalms, from the the writings of the prophets, and then from his own words. Um, And just kind of putting his stamp of authority over this, beware that you are being built up as a living temple, a holy place, offering spiritual sacrifices because Christ is the cornerstone. And we would miss that very real truth if we said, I live under the New Testament and not under the Old. But we are walking out the Old Testament in our lives every single day when we follow and commit our lives to Jesus. Right. We absolutely cannot overstate the significance of the Old Testament truths in our new cu- right we absolutely cannot overstate the significance of these old testament truths in our new covenant context right. so instead of saying i live under the new covenant why do i need to read the old testament we should say i need to read the old testament because right. it is the foundation of my new covenant context because as subjects in this worldwide kingdom that you've just described as entering this kingdom through faith and obedience we become god's chosen people right. his special possession his holy nation his royal priesthood mm-hmm. The ancient Old Testament teaching has such practical application for us today. And I want you just to think of it like this. Do you ever feel rootless or untethered, like you just aren't sure where you fit in? Life can be so unstable and it can be precarious, and we just don't have security in this world. Right. But when we think of these pictures, how Peter reminds us that our identity as new covenant disciples of Jesus is so deeply rooted Mm -hmm. in God's grand eternal plan of restoration unfolded through the whole Old Testament from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. from the Garden of Eden where it was initiated, then culminated in the New Testament with the coming of Christ, the most important thing, and finally consummated in Christ's return that we are all looking forward to when we see our place in that grand meta narrative of scripture then we find our purpose mm-hmm. our stability our tether to the grand thing that God is accomplishing and here's what's so incredible is that he has given every one of us a role right in that restoration of creation that he is accomplishing our role is that we are sharing it 
that we are helping people to come back into a restored relationship with him, looking forward to the day when God looks out over all of us again and Mm -hmm. says, it is very good. It is very good. Yeah. I love it. So this objection um, may be one that you have held in the past or maybe still holding on to, or you know someone who has uh, felt this objection or even used this objection that I really don't need to read the Old Testament because I live under the new covenant. Here's a challenge that we want to uh, encourage you to put yourself in, right? In addition, we want you to read the challenge every week is to start the journey of reading the Bible from start to finish with an open-ended commitment, no matter how long it takes, and then to do it again, right? But the exercise we want you to, to practice this week, if this is your objection, here's the challenge. Open up your book, your Bible, to First Peter, and read it today. It's only five short chapters, and when you get to a place where you, you you read something and you go, I'm not quite sure why that's there. I don't understand that. That seems unclear highlight it. And the, the what we, we assume will be is that what you'll find when you cross-reference that is the answer to that is that it is just fulfilling and revealing something that was spoken about in the Old Testament. It will, it will show to you the foundation, just as Tina just said just a second ago, that the Old Covenant, I even don't even, I, I even don't like calling it the Old Covenant because it's been the same promise. Yeah. It's been this, God has kept his end of the promise. He has just continued to remold this on our behalf. Yes. But in his original plan, I'll say that, you'll see that it's laying the foundation of what is now this perfect promise fulfilled in the New Testament. And so that's our challenge to you um, to find those Old Testament truths. And Tina, your book does a great job of laying that foundation and doing a lot of that heavy lifting and cross-referencing and finding these Old Testament things that are conce- feel concealed to us or mysterious to us that are revealed and brought into a very clear focus in the New Testament. Thank you. Yeah, that book will be available by May the 19th on Amazon. If you would like to be notified when it drops, when it's live for purchase, you can text the word SIS, S-I-S, to 855-721-1400, and we'll be happy to keep you in that loop. Listen, this has been such a fun journey, walking out all these objections uh, and dispelling them, using the Word of God to show that we absolutely need to read the entire Bible. But this is not yet the end, because before we close season one, Mm -hmm. we're going to set aside all the objections, because clearly... Right. They can't stand. Right. And we're going to end this season with one more episode next week titled, Why You Need to Read the Whole Thing. And I believe that uh, that is a transformative process that will absolutely change your life. And we want to share with you why. Absolutely. I cannot wait. I'm happy to get to that, you know, the really like the, the hallmark of all of this, but sad to see the series come to an end. Yes. So. Please join us next week for one final episode in why you need to read the whole Bible, and we guarantee it is going to absolutely change your life. Yeah, we can't wait. Thanks for listening.